Well, welcome everyone. This is the Colin Vision, where we explore and honor the idea that your vision has selected and is inviting you to bring it into form. When you choose to align and partner with that vision, you can change the world. This is B.B. Harding, your host, and today I have as my guest, Annette Price. Good morning, Annette. Good morning, B.B. It's nice to be here. Yeah, it's great to have you. So Annette is a woman of many talents. Um, she considers herself a seeker and a perpetual student, and I love this, because life on this planet continues to fascinate her. She's a storyteller, businesswoman, folklorist, herbalist, a horsewoman, and I, I like this part too, a Missouri farm girl who's morphed into a seeker of inner wisdom. She's a trained gestaltist and a graduate of both the equine gestalt coaching method and a master gestaltist program. Uh, she's the caretaker owner of the Dragonfly Farm, which is has hosted for the last 10 years, the annual Camp Unplugged and the Kids Care Corral, which started last year. Camp Unplugged offers children ages 8 to 12 um, a full week of immersion away from their phones and other electronic devices in favor of learning about eating their yard, caring for horses, arts and crafts for stimulating creativity and communication, team building, and problem solving. Kids Care Corral allows children who have a parent who's been diagnosed with cancer to have a safe space to share the impact to their lives. So one of the missions that, um, <clears throat> excuse me, that Annette has is that she wants to elevate the awareness of horses around the world until they are recognized as the true sentient beings we know them to be. So Annette, given the fact that this is about visions calling people, tell me about how it came to be that you felt that this is a mission for you. Okay. Um, yes, I was also thinking about uh, the the beginning of um, Camp Unplugged. So they're kind of the same and they're kind of different. If, can I veer off into Camp Unplugged for a moment? Because that's where that's where I was heading in my own space. Sure, um, go for it. <laughs> um, so the, the idea of your podcast really fascinates me because... Um, this is this is a this is my true story. I mean, when I graduated from um, the um, equine gestalt coaching method, I totally believed that I would be um, my clients would be women survivors of domestic violence. It's a subject I know way too much about, and um, I really thought that that's where I would go. And but um, my friend came to me, another friend in the program came to me, and um, she said. I think we need to do a summer camp for kids. And that's how I met her many, many years ago. My son was little. She was doing these camps. And and uh, uh, I said, oh, my gosh, yeah, you should do that. That would be great. Bring, you know, bring the horses in. I think that's a great idea. And she said, um, I want to do it at, at your farm. And I was like, oh, no, 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 no. I don't want to do that. <laughs> uh, I don't want to do that. You know, I have one son. And um, I, I see myself going this other direction. So um, um, she was disappointed, I could tell. And she didn't let it drop. And she came back to me again uh, months and months later, the next year. And she said, Annette, I re we really need to do this camp. I, 
uh, and I, I would like to talk to you about it again. And betwixt and between those two conversations with her, um, I had been to uh, a couple of different readings and and both of the people that I was having a reading with uh, said to me, you could work with kids if you want to. And I'm like, I don't think I want to. <laughs> How compute? How are you, Why does this keep happening? So when Lauren came back the second time, I knew that I really wanted to explore this more and talk to her more about it. I was more open. I was more ready, and um, so we. I I actually have goosebumps right now. Um, we designed this camp. We went and talked to some leaders in our little small town at the, like the library and different places and told them what we were thinking about doing. And um, we were so well received that, um, that everybody was way more excited about it than I think I was. And um, and we did our first camp unplugged. And I have told this story many times and it's it's still so true. On the very first day, of the very first camp. I sat in my living room and cried. I'm right there again. Um, because the kids were so into what we were doing. And it's been that way for the last, this, like you said, this year will be our 10th year. The kids won me over. Oh my God. Mm. It was amazing. And I still enjoy working with adults. I do uh, team building and uh, uh, retreats for businesses and corporate retreats. But um, this this summer camp is really, really important to me. And the mission, I think, is to get kids out in nature, give them a chance to be with horses and donkeys. Um, I grew up on a farm in Missouri. My grandparents had a farm in Missouri. And um I just, you know, I took it all for granted, of course, as a child, but I had an experience that a lot of children these days don't have access to. And I have a little farm and I have big and big and small horses and donkeys. And and um, I just feel this burning desire to bring as many people to my farm to be with the horses and uh, the donkeys as possible, because as you know, little segue off, but uh, just being in the presence of a horse, you know, is good for our souls, good for our body, good for our heart. So there's a healing energy just being with them. But the kids absolutely adore the the process. We teach them how to be safe with the horses. Um, and yes, uh, you make me smile. Eat your yard. Everybody loves that. Um, so I am a <laughs> I am a certified herbalist and a one of my one of my passions in that arena is um you know knowing uh, what plants are edible and um uh, you know if the uh, zombie apocalypse happens this is what i tell the kids if the zombie apocalypse happens and you need to forage for food i want you to have something you know to know some things and with that we're off and running you know everybody's on board with that so uh yeah well i'm going to go back to the to the kids camp because I can remember the first one that you and Lauren did. Uh -huh. And I can remember, you know, afterwards, the thing that you couldn't stop sharing about was the fact that, you know, during that week long, the impact that it had on the kids that participated 
and what it was like for them to be able to share with their parents on the last day, you know, their family would have you what they had learned. And, you know, it was kind of like button popping about, you know, here's this horse and I'm leading it. And, you know, this is what I learned and telling the story about how to take care of horses and everything else. And I can remember your excitement, you know, when you were done with that very first one and how I, I didn't know that you sat in your room crying, <clears throat> but I knew that it had had a huge impact on you, mm -hmm. you know, to have been able to facilitate them. Yeah. Yes, you're absolutely right. And and I, you might, I don't remember that at all, but now I see where you, where you do and I'm sure. My, I'm, I was excited. Oh my gosh. So Lauren, um, she had done camps. Like I said, I had met her years ago when my son was little. So she had done camps before. And so the way we set this up is, uh, and continue every Friday afternoon at the last day of camp, um, the kids get to show their parents something they learned in camp and button popping. That's, that's hysterical. Uh, they, um, it is like that. You know, we set it all up. We have a little wits planned. We have a little, everybody, all the kids know what they're going to do. They choose what they're going to do. Uh, it's totally up to them. Um, and um, and then and then the, we set up a little place for the, before the parents get there, the kids all set up a little place and chairs and we have snacks for our parents. And, you know, we talk about how we're going to show our parents the different things on the farm and <clears throat> be polite and keep our parents safe like they have learned to be safe around horses and um it's a it's a big deal and i am really sad to say we have never recorded that uh, we've never gotten that recorded and every year it's just brilliant the kids are sincere they're proud um uh and and i i swear they are two inches taller on friday afternoon than they were when they walked in on monday <laughs> their 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 self-esteem is uh, that's the undercurrent. It's a, it, the, the undercurrent for me as we continue these camps is to, um, you know, work with self-esteem by communicating, storytelling, being with the horses, learning new things. Um, they do farm chores, you know, little farm chores, like topping off the water tanks and stuff like that. And I, um, they figure it out on their own. I give them basic directions. I ask them if they have any questions and answer all their questions. And then they go out and do it. They figure out how to do it and um, figure out how to, you know, take uh, different farm implements and rakes and stuff and, you know, scoop poop and put it in the wheelbarrow and stuff. And everybody on the first day, a lot of the kids are like, Ooh, I don't, I'm not going to do that. And uh, by Friday, they get, they're coming to, camp early so they can help get the paddock cleaned up for camp and 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 it's just you know taking ownership just giving them a chance to to do some things and self-esteem comes from oh i've learned so much from doing this program self-esteem doesn't come self-esteem comes from um having something in front of you that needs to be solved and then figuring it out yourself and doing it if it doesn't go exactly right you make a mid-course correction you know and, and you get it done when you're finished with that, then you step back and you go, whoa, I got it done, you know? And, and I have, a, I've had a couple of interns and they have a, a um, I have to t talk them out of this, but they end up like 
telling the kids to giving them too much information. They go out and they pick up the the uh, hose and take it to the, you know, show them how to screw it on and all that kind of stuff. And I'm like, step back, step back, let the kids figure this out. This is their, this is their task. It's not, you know, it's very solvable and, um, and um, not do the chore for them themselves. That doesn't, that doesn't help a kid, you know, embody self-esteem, you know, doing it, you know, uh, is not where self-esteem comes from. It's from giving them tasks that are uh in and uh stepping back and letting them solve that and and you know it's great it's just great and then the next day that group that learned how to do the water they teach the next group that was on scoop pooping on day one you know so there's there's intercommunication there's teaching there's helping each other it the levels are deep in simple simple things that we do i think and so it's planting seeds on how to look at the world and move out in the world in um in a in a good way so a way that maybe nobody else has shown them before and um and a lot of kids don't tie their shoes anymore because parents a lot of parents work in two jobs i totally get it you know they are, they're doing the best they can but it's easier to buy a kid velcro shoes than than shoelaces and but Tying a knot is important in life. Tying a knot is important when working with horses. It's important if you were, ever want to, you know, play with boats and, you know, all kinds of life lessons. You need to know how to, you know, do some things. And so we teach them, you know, so they can go cool. forward. So one of the things that I appreciated hearing here was the fact that um, they learn how to try to do something and then it doesn't quite work right. And then doing the course correction and then eventually getting to stand back and look at it. So, you know, how, I mean, that to me is such an important step in life is that that safety, a couple of things, the safety to be able to not do it perfectly, first of all, and then the safety in the recognition that you can do something different. And that seems to me to be a huge life skill that a person can learn. Um, how have you taken and extrapolated the things that you've learned in life to bring that forward? For myself? Yeah, to bring it forward to the kids. Yeah, so how have you learned that for yourself? I've learned it for myself by practicing the uh, techniques that Lauren showed me in the very beginnings of camp. Lauren was with me for the first three camps and then she had to step down. Um, and, um, and watching it, you know, it's, it's watching it, um, watching the kids succeed time after time after time. Um, I'm not totally sure what, how I'm answering your question here, but, um, I, I will tell you, I have a, I, you mentioned I'm a storyteller, so I have a little story. So one of the things, (laughs) one of the things we do, we always, once upon a time, once upon a time, um, (laughs) They were happily ever after. So um, we had, uh, Lauren had a, a, we always have an art project and um, she had this project and I thought, oh my gosh, that's gonna That sounds really difficult. The kids will never be able to do that. And, and it was this complicated thing of taking <laughs> this, the tools were simple, but it was taking a, an, a milk carton, the square plastic ones, uh, 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 not plastic, but uh, you know what I mean? The waxy ones. And cutting them up and making this little um, bird cage, bird feeder 
kind of thing. And they were, we were going to do this and we're going to do that and put a roof on it and attach it. And all these had diff these different components, but it looked very detailed to me. And, uh, and I tried to talk Lauren out of it and no, she said, this will be great. And we're going to do this. And so, um, we got to, uh, we gathered our supplies and we the day we were going to work on our project we brought everything out and Lauren gave them explicit directions on how to do this and this and this and and then this during an art project and stuff where they're beside them we'll guide them and and do this and so um, then people picked their egg cartons and there's pair of scissors and they started to work and I watched this little boy just take this milk carton and cut it up into all these pieces and i was like i knew it it you know blah 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 he's not going to be able to get this project blah, blah and i watched him and he put together the most exquisite bird house ever i had you know he saw it in his mind and um he just worked on it you know and and um what his creation was absolutely stunning and every all of them were stunning but his but he you know, he was brave enough to, he had this guidance inside of him to do something else and he did it. And what I learned from that was to A, not put these kids in small boxes because I have no right to limit their creativity at all. And to allow, well, this is a phrase I know you know, but trust the process, trust yeah. the process. We talk about that a lot in our uh, equine gestalt work, trust the process. And, you know, I, um, I did not step in. I did not tell him he wasn't doing it correctly. I was worried about it in my mind, but, um, um, but I just trusted the process. And, and, and every, every one of those kids created just fabulous little, little creations. And it was, it was beautiful. Trust the process. Mm -hmm. Don't put, don't limit what, don't limit someone because I think they cannot do it. Oh my gosh. You know, if they need. That's a big one. <laughs> I mean, we limit ourselves. I mean, that's my experience. We limit ourselves so much to begin with. And then having someone else on top of that can really be a stifling for lack of a better word. Yeah. Yeah. I've seen that in action where I uh, noticed, you know, people who are telling people, oh, you can't do that. Yeah, <laughs> have been the recipient of that too. Yeah, and this actually kind of leads me into I think where you were uh, talking about first, um, watching the horses be with the kids and teach them lessons and and how they um, the horses are with the children, um, and uh, we have a one of the things we've implement uh, we implemented a few years ago was quite a few years ago was. Um, happy heart, this idea of happy heart. So um, when the kids, there's a couple of gates they go to to get to the paddock where the horses are and there's one gate and it's where we stop and we find our happy hearts. So I, we take a few breaths, we let go of the morning, any you know yucky things that happened in the car or at breakfast or whatever, just let it all go so that when we go out with the horses, we are ready to be in their presence respectfully and safely and and have our awarenesses tuned to the horses instead of worrying about you know the more what has passed and so we call it getting to your happy heart and um i think that that's another underlying 
principle of the camp is to uh, this concept that I don't think I was ever taught when I was young, that I'm responsible for the energy I put out. And an eight-year-old is old enough to know that they are responsible for the energy they put out. This concept is, you know, they're aware of it. And we talk about it um, uh, a little bit, but mostly it's just doing it. We don't, I never, I don't talk about it. You know, today we're going to learn how to be responsible for our energy. Um, we just do it and the kids start getting it and nothing will teach you respect and boundaries faster than a thousand pound horse um, <laughs> and how, how to be with them in a safe way. But my horses have been doing this for a long time and I just congratulate them all the time because I, I think that they're, they're so receptive to the kids and I feel like they understand that they have this chance to be with these kids and make a difference in these kids' lives. I, I totally believe that that they under they totally understand the purpose of camp and and where they fit in and they're a huge part so um so once again that has um mm, can i tell you a couple of little stories about horses and kids yeah <clears throat> yeah yeah you can but i'd like to before we go that way okay. um I'd like you to spend a few minutes talking about following the intuitive process you know you were you kind of mentioned that, you know, the, the boy who is making his own where he heard the voice within. How have you used it? Because I know that that's something that's important to you. You know, personally, how have you allowed your intuition to guide you? You know, like, first of all, you had Lauren approach you. You said no. And then <laughs> Lauren approached you again and you went, maybe. Um, how did you allow your intuition slash guidance to support you in letting that evolve? Oh, that is a great question, Bibi. Um, this has been a, a lifelong learning. I, I actually use, um, I tune into my intuition every single day. I, um, I make most of my decisions uh, by going into, a, you know, a quiet space in, and um, I talk, you know, it's like having a, a conference with the cells in my body and how we're going to, what we're going to do, what is the right answer, uh, where, how should we handle this best? And um, I make uh, all of my big decisions intuitively. Um, my own decisions, I just want the decision that I make to come from my heart and my gut and then my brain and all of us be on board with the same thing. Um, and there are times when I have to step back, you know, like the camp thing, I have to step back. And I, I mean, I also call myself a ruminator. You know, I, I think things, I think about things or feel into things for a while. Uh, intuition for me is not exactly always, it's not a snap judgment all the time. Sometimes it is. Sometimes I intuitively know, especially with people, I think sometimes, you know, I get intuitive hits on how, um, their how their energy is reacting to my energy that's that's a pretty quick thing but um yeah uh, over and over and over my intuition has led me to the right place so i have learned to trust it and i want to make my decisions um myself i collect a little data i listen to what people say 
And then I come inside and I make up my mind how I feel about that or my decision or how I'm going to move forward in it. So I'd mm-hmm. like, and then I, and then I have to take full responsibility, you know, because it was my choice and, and that's how I chose to deal with something. That's the decision I made. And, um, uh, a simple one was getting a COVID shot. I'm not again, I'm not into vaccinations. I don't, I, I, my horses and I don't get any extra vaccinations at all ever, just the ones we have to have. And, um, and when COVID came, I sat down and I, I thought, well, I'm not going to have one until about 3 million people get one. And then I'll see if they lived and maybe I'll get a COVID shot, you know, kind of flippant, but <laughs> kind of, kind of. But I got it. <laughs> <laughs> and so, uh, and so uh, I sat with it and I, I'm also, for 40 years, I've been a real estate appraiser. I was actually going into people's homes during COVID. So I had some decisions to make. I did, the state did not require me to have that, but I had some decisions to make. And I sat down and, and uh, meditated and pondered it for a while. And I asked uh, my, my body if we needed to get a COVID uh, vaccination. And, and I heard yes, you know, intuitively I knew yes, everybody was on board. And then I went and got a, my COVID test. Of course, I had a amethyst crystal taped band-aided to my liver chakra. And I'm sure I was the only one in the hospital that had that, but, um, <laughs> but, um, you know, I do, I, I like my intuition lets me do things my way. And, um, and then with good conscious it over the years, I've learned to really, really trust intuition body. Thanks too. One of the things too that I've heard in this is uh, your first response to Lauren's request to do the kids camps was a no, mm-hmm. and and yet at the same time um, you allowed yourself over the following year, you know, to to allow let's call it synchronicity to have you know the two readers say, oh, you know, kids would be good for you, <clears throat> and then to have Lauren come back again and say, I think we really need to do this. How often have you noticed that when you pay attention to your intuition, that that's how things unfold? I.e., you may start with no, and then you let it mature over a period of time, and then end up following the, you know, the guidance. How have you, have you noticed that that's like a repeating theme for you? Or um, I guess what I'm trying to get to here, and that is that I know that following a person's vision, their mission, their purpose, whatever words it is, sometimes it's not always easy. And, you know, what I'm wanting to kind of get to here is the foundation for, you know, you can start with a no. And you're still going to end up on the path of doing it oh, <laughs> at some yeah. point in time. <laughs> you, you, that, that is totally, that is totally true. In um, to, as I went through the training, I thought I was going to be working with, um, you know, women survivors. And right. uh, so that was my goal. So I, when Lauren brought the camp to me, I was resistant because that wasn't where um, I, in my mind, uh, looking at my past as a, uh, my son and I are survivors of domestic violence. And I just thought that's where I was going to go. So I, there was resistance to a new idea. I had to be with it. I had to sit with it. Um, 
Uh, who knows if I would have come to the same decision if those two readings hadn't happened, but then I don't believe in coincidences. So I think they were put in my path. <laughs> And, uh, and, and, and we, we got to where we are. And I, and now I know that that was absolutely the right path. And I think, um, you know, I don't beat myself up for waiting a year. I needed that time to make the right decision. Uh, and, uh, because it, I, the resistance to it was, it's not what I thought I was going to do. And the universe and my angels and my guides saw something different and I had to spend the time to um, reconcile to a new idea. And One of the things that I think evolved from your experience with kids camps was the kids corral. You know, how did that come to pass? Where you, you ended up doing the kids care corral. Kids care corral. Well, um, part of my uh, coaching is uh, the coaching that I do um is with a fabulous organization called um, Hope Held by a Horse, which provides weekend equine retreats for women with breast cancer. It started out when it kind of a small little bubble, but they're graduating and getting, I think they're gonna enlarge to more, more types of cancer, whatever. So um, doing that for a couple of years, um, uh, a friend of mine who's also an equine gestalt coach who lives near me we drive down to this place it's quite a drive for us so we drive together and we were coming home and I and I don't know which one of us said first um we hear a lot about the these women suffer because of what cancer does to their families and their children we already do summer camps we're pretty darn good at that why don't we offer a camp for these kids whose parents have a cancer diagnosis. And the thought formed really quickly that these kids don't have an, may not have an outlet. They have their parents and they have their siblings and all that. But the kids I thought might have a, you know, they might need a place to come together and talk amongst themselves because with their parents, you know, they don't want to make their parents feel worse. So they might hold in some things. They might hold in their reaction. They might hide how scared they were. And in our camp, you know, the very first day we said there, this is, you know, this is a place for you to talk. This is your camp. We're going to guide you through some exercises. And, and whereas summer camp is teaching and fun and learning, Kids Care Corral is deep goes deeper into the kids and giving them a space. The flavor of Kids Care Corral is really, really different. Yes, there's horses. Yes, there's still fun, you know, fun things. But these kids find themselves in a in a club they never wanted to be in. You know, their parents right. had who wants to be there? And it was it was very well received. It was <laughs> oh my God. It was it was day after day was as it and and this kind of camp really built on uh, leading up to teaching the kids how to release energy and ways to stay safe and how to handle their emotions. It would you know it was really really deeper than than summer camp, and quite frankly, it was our first time. I there were days when I was scared in the morning, you know, um, and so the the there were three of us with these children. All of us are master gestaltists and. Um, and I needed that to be, uh, I needed to have them with me to make sure we took care of these kids in a good way. And um, and if a 
kid started down a, a bad tunnel that we would all be there to um, help them work through their issues and stuff. And, and um, we had in summer camp, hardly anybody cries. And in um, the kids care corral, there was a lot of crying. There's, you know, the stuff was coming up and out, how to deal with it, where, to, what to do with it, how to stay safe. And, um, oh my gosh. Oh. So I can imagine. So we're having two more this summer. Um, I'm seeking funding for those right now. Those are 100% funded for the kids. And so um, I'm working on seeking oh. funding to support these camps. But yeah, it's a, it's just growing, isn't it, BB? I mean, so I yes. thought working with women, uh, women survivors, and I did. I, now, oh my God, I just now put that together. In the cancer coaching, weekends i do i coach women who are women survivors and 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 then but now we're doing the the kids also so oh my gosh that was a little knot i had never tied before <laughs> put a little bow on it what's <laughs> about tying shoes <laughs> um so i know that one of the things is um that you're the real estate appraiser i'm gonna call it it's kind of like by day you're the real estate appraiser and and then you've got your other your heart life. Um, how do you reconcile that? And, and the part of the reason that I'm asking is that there are so many people that I'm aware of that have crossed my path that if you have like a mission calling you, you think you're supposed to go do that and that alone. Mm -hmm. And here you are working, in the, you know, a typical job. Well, I don't know, real estate appraisal probably isn't a typical job. But here you are working a job and you're also, you know, creating the time for your heart space. How do you reconcile the two? <clears throat> um, yes, I, um, I, um, <laughs> being a real estate appraiser has been a good job for me. I've been a single mom all my life and, um, it gave me a place to be my own boss and be able to do things for uh, my son and I that I might not have been able to do otherwise. Astrologically speaking, my my astrologer says all of my planets are in the fourth house, which is the house and home. And so I have a predisposition to houses. I love going through people's houses. Um, I love barns more, but I love their houses. And um, and um, I think, and I'm pretty, pretty good at it. So I started out there, it supported my family and uh, took care of us. And when horses came back into my life, um, uh, that was a gradual move. But I always felt like even as a real estate appraiser, um, I have a job to do to the bank, but the underlying uh, message that um, I kind of carried for myself was um, helping, I'm really helping people make their dreams come true. Um, buying a house is, a, is the biggest Thing, uh, investment most of us make. I take it very, very seriously. Um, I've been doing it for decades. I'm really good at it. And um, and I help people's dreams come true. So it was a service also to me in my heart. Now I have a lot, a lot of friends who are real estate appraisers that would just cringe hearing me say that, but that was my approach. That's how I, I, I felt about it. Um, the nice thing about having a um, J-O-B is that um, living here on the farm, I've accumulated more horses and donkeys as this camp thing idea grew and and um, they eat every day. <laughs> 
and and uh uh so you know i i needed to i couldn't stop being a real estate appraiser and dive into um my uh equine gestalt coaching which is my passion and i love um, because I had responsibilities to the seven horses that take care of me to provide food for them every day. So I just, you know, just kind of weave it together, you know? Yeah, I have it both. And um, um, it, I, I, I know, I know what you mean when people say I, I got this new thing and I'm very, very passionate about it and I must just drop everything and do that. And it may work. And, but for me, I, I realized that um, the uh, running my running my farm, feeding my animals, being a real estate appraiser, um, does it get hectic sometimes? Oh my God, yeah, it does. And um, are, both are still really fulfilling for me. So, so what I'm really hearing too um, is kind of a unique perspective about that you as the appraiser are doing a service to support people to get their dreams. Mm -hmm. And yeah. um, and I'm thinking, that, not to put I, words I in your mouth. Go ahead. You did the timeout signal there. I got to the timeout signal. I do have to interject that my 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 um, for those people who know real estate, that I, I totally 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 understand. My job is to the client and the banks and the mortgage companies who are supplying these loans. I totally understand that my, you know, that they are my client. But on a level of that satisfies the um, more spiritual side of myself and looking at um, uh, being happy with the job that I have and, and taking that in through the years, I kind of came to that. Um, I've kind of realized, oh, my gosh, I I'm really providing a service for these people. I provide a service to the bank to show them what a house is worth. But I have the and I provide a service to the people to help them. Um, make their dreams come true. So I considered that when I got to that point, it felt like more of a win-win. And, and uh, I, but I, I just didn't want anybody listening in real estate to have a conniption fit that, that the people were my clients. They're not, I totally understand the difference there. So. Okay. So, thank, thank you, you for the clarification. Thank you. You, well, the thing that I, that I feel in there is that what, what came up for you mm -hmm is the fact that you you were able to look at it as a service mm -hmm. that supported other people rather than, I don't know what words to use, but I know so many people who are working both the job, I mean, my own experience, when I was working, it was like I had my job persona and then my woo persona. <laughs> And, and it was like, and I made a deliberate decision that you did not talk to each other. Mm -hmm. And it took a while before I got into the fact that the job supported me in doing the work. And it sounds like that, you know, what you've done is you've come to that same conclusion is that the job supports you in doing the things that you really love doing. You know, like be, taking care of the horses, having the horses, you know, support you and support the work that they're doing. And um, yeah, and I'm not sure that a lot of people get to that point, I guess I, is what I'm thinking. Yeah, you know, um, you use the phrase, you made a deliberate decision. I made a deliberate decision also, Bibi. Um, there was a time when um, I had these little um, 
<laughs> they were little stones that people put in their uh, little glass stones that people put in their aquariums. You can get a little bag for 75 cents. And, uh, and so um, I would um, uh, sometimes when I would go to a house, I would have a, one of those in my pocket and I would place it in, you know, next to the house or something and, and tell the house that, that this is my woo woo side coming into my real estate appraisal yeah. and, and wish the house um, that the, the new owners or whatever happens will be, will be good for the house. So I made a deliberate decision to weave those two, that being a real estate appraiser into a, a um, to satisfy the spiritual part of myself, because I wanted to be happy with what I was doing in my, in my job. And, um, and I looked for ways to make it, um, to me, you know, more fulfilling and worthwhile. And, um, so I did little things like that. Um, and the other way it weaves in, interestingly enough, and especially during COVID, um, I am a real estate appraiser. We were extremely busy during the two years of intense COVID stuff. And I found my coaching skills coming to the surface all the time because people were afraid. They There was so much fear. And I had my own little fears, you know, going into, a, you know, these people's houses. And, you know, I had a little questionnaire I sent out to them and everything. But um, I remember specifically the one that comes to mind is a woman. She had just had a, a baby just days before it had a baby and they had tried to get their house refinanced before they absolutely had to refinance their house. She was caught between a rock and a hard place and she was so distressed. And when I made my call to set up the appointment to go do the inspection on her house, we must have talked for you know, 20 or 30 minutes and deciding how to do it. How could we do this so that she felt comfortable? I mean, I, I coached her <laughs> through her real estate appraisal to set up the appointment. And it's in that part, I can do that. Uh, I, and I took the time and it makes my job, you know, weaves the whole thing. Uh, my J-O-B is a part of my spiritual life. And being a coach in with the horses can, you know, is, is deeply satisfying, but, but I was able to, and to, to make, to weave in both my spiritual life and my real estate appraising, you know, I just, I consciously work to make that happen. My jobs could talk to each other. I, and I know that I'm really lucky maybe in that respect, but um, I did consciously have to come to grips with that. So um, so that I could be happier in my life to bring me happy. Yeah. I'm, I'm finding, I'm finding that I'm deeply touched by the fact that you would put a stone down by the house and, and hold the space, you know, that it's future owners, you know, would, would take good care of it. Um, and I'm also, one of the things that I'm also thinking about here and that is that I have taken, you know, throughout my life, and it's like it's, I finally have come to the realization that all of the life that I live is my spiritual life. And, you know, it's like, I guess I'm deeply touched that, you know, you got to incorporate that. You got that knowledge long before I ever did. And that, you know, you've been touching the houses, um, you know, for years and giving them, you know, the blessing uh, of, you know, the juju, if nothing else. Mm -hmm. So you wanted to share a couple of stories a little while ago 
Do you want to close out with a couple of stories here? Yes, thank you. That's brilliant. Um, so um, let's see. The very first day of the very first camp, uh, three brothers came to camp uh, and uh, they were younger, middle and older. Uh, the middle child was um, uh, had uh, an ADD, some, he had some issues going on. And um, so we were, everybody was aware of that and stuff. And one of the things, um, Lauren was really running camp that year. I was her assistant and really happy to learn from her. So one of the things she did was we, we took the kids into, I have a very large paddock and um, we took the kids into the paddock and, you know, kind of let them place themselves, but then broke up the groups and spread them out into, in the paddock. So um, and then we opened the gate and let the horses in. Okay, this is big. Now, before we did this, of course, we talked to the kids and we told them what was going to happen. And um, and uh, did anybody, was anybody uh, needed our support? We would stand by them or give them more support. No, everybody's fine. They just can't wait to touch horses. They're so excited. And um, nobody had any issues. And then we opened the gate and the horses came in. I looked over the at the oldest brother and he was the biggest kid in camp and his face was white and he was trembling um my my healing horse lakota um had walked up to him chose him and she stood in front of him she wasn't touching him but she stood in front of him and reached her nose out and and her the front of her face was kind of parallel with his ch chest not touching but she was definitely in his space and he was terrified. Um, he couldn't draw breath. Lauren came over, I got her attention. Lauren started rubbing his back and, and helping him take a breath and relax. And he did, and he was relaxing. And, and uh, Lakota didn't flinch, she didn't move away. She just hung in there with this, with this boy. And then she rocked back onto her center and and now she's not as close to him as she was she was finished you know what i call working on him and um and that little boy was <laughs> he wanted to buy her and take her home he was she was his best friend for the rest of the camp he wanted to stay with me he wanted to spend the night at my house so that he could be with her night and day so whatever she did Whatever she touched inside of him, I can't explain, but I've watched it over and over and, and over again. And she reached him. She scanned the crowd. She knew who needed her and she did her magic. And uh, the next year we had this open house and people were bringing their kids to come and look at camp. And one of the families was a mom and dad. They were the only ones there at, this, at one time. They were. It was a mom and dad. Uh, eight-year-old girl and a little boy I'm gonna say four or five years old smallish smallish kid and the girl was here to look at camp and so um, they had uh, we went into the open area and we had a little pony with a halter on we asked her this little girl she'd like to do an obstacle course and of course yes 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 so <coughs> Lauren takes her off to do this little walk with this uh, pony and um, I stood and talked to the parents and when Coda walks around the, the barn, uh, the same horse walks around the barn and comes up to us and I introduce her and um, 
and I watch her do it again. She she was looking, she was with this little boy. She reached her head down and she was had her head really close to him. And uh, she's leaning forward, like she's on her tiptoes. Is If you can imagine this, she's leaning forward into this little kid without touching him. And she's there for a minute or two. And then she rocks back on all four feet and she's done whatever she's touched inside of him. He turned to his parents and he said, I want to do the obstacle course. I want to walk this horse. His parents went berserk. I was trying to trying to figure out what was going on. What's going on? Why, why is this happening? Why did their energy change like that? And all of a sudden I realized they, they told me this little boy had never spoken a single word outside of the house. Oh my God. Those were his first words outside of his house. So I had a halter. I put a little halter on Lakota. If you can imagine this, this little boy, five years old, walking yep. beside a, a 1100 pound horse and happy as a, I walked beside him, but they did not need me. Um, the two of them were in their universe and I, I can only dream about what was going on between the two of them. But um, can you explain that? I can't explain that. I have no, no idea the energy between what Lakota does and she's done it with grown grownups too. I've, I had one, I had a meet and greet very quickly. I'll tell you this. I had a meet and greet. I had an experiment where I set the kid, the people down in chairs and put them out in the paddock and I opened up the gate. It's kind of similar to the story I told about the camp. Um, so the people are out there. We open up the gate, the horses come walking in and Lakota, uh, as I've come to recognize, she figured out who needed her. She went over to this man. He was sitting on a, on a big black tub and um, his back was to me. So I was looking in her face and um, she was with him and um, his, I, I could see his body was moving. He was trembling. And I, I asked my angels, I said, do I need to step in here? Is this okay? And they said, just let her be. She's fine. She knows exactly what she's doing. And she put her head on one shoulder, her nose on one shoulder and went over his head and put it on the other shoulder. She did that several times um, in a regular horse situation that would could be considered dangerous because horses have large heads. Um, so, but I just sat back. I, you know, I just sat back and watched her work. And so the people were supposed to be in there for uh, five or six minutes. And then my helpers and I went, I rang a little bell and we went and got the people, collected them up and walked them out and back into our circle through the gate and back into the circle. And this man was crying and he told us he had been a recovering alcoholic for 26 years and he had never, ever felt the love that he felt between he and Lakota. What passed between them took him to his core. I could cry right now, again. Mm -hmm. It is, and I, I can't explain it, but I watch it over and over and over. So this is answering your question, the first question about my mission to have the world, the, the rest of the people out there understand that horses have this gift for us to help us be better humans, to bring us to a better place. 
energetically, I know that what I think happens is they, if we are disturbed and I'm tapping my chest for those people who are listening, if we're disturbed in our heart, then they are disturbed because that makes them uneasy because they read that energy and they think, is there something here I need to be disturbed about? What's going on? What's going on? What's going on? So they, by helping us even out our energy and get to a higher vibration, which they have the ability to do, they raise our, our vibration to their higher vibration. We become softer and easier in our bodies and they can relax because now we're all relaxed and happier. Does that make any mm. sense? Oh, absolutely. It does to me, you know, cause I've experienced, you know, the same kind of a thing, seeing it again and again and again, the impact that they are capable of having and doing so little to have it. They I mean, don't know what they do. <laughs> yeah. It's like, it's like <laughs> abracadabra. <laughs> so, um, and then if people, Wanted to get a hold of you. Um, how could they go about doing that? Um, the name of my coaching business is On the Wings of a Horse. So I have a website that they could go to. Uh, I'm not a web person, so there's a couple of things there. They're a little out of date. Be patient with me. But uh, I have a website that they could go to. Uh, there's a contact page on that website. I believe in your notes, you're going to put that, make a note of that too, right, Bibi? In yeah, okay. I'll put that in the show notes. Okay. And um, yeah, I'm in, um, I'm located um, in a small town of Platteville on the Platte River in Colorado, uh, 45 minutes north of Denver. So um, uh, in an agricultural county known as Weld County, so that's where I'm located. And uh, yeah, so. Uh, you want to share your phone number? Yeah, my my good old fashioned landline, my favorite phone, uh, no texting, 970-785-9090. Uh, that would be on my website too. So, and I have a, yeah. a Facebook page on the wings of a horse and I have a Facebook page in at price and, um, you know, we could be friends there and stuff too. So, Yeah. Nice. I, I, if you if I have one tiny tiny moment it's this is very important to us because these camps we do um many of the kids cannot their parents can't afford kit, uh, camps that we are working a lot with foster kids now and um so we have a sister organization uh, Pegasus Bridge to Wellness and gosh if you could put that on the link too that would be swell but uh, Pegasus Bridge to Wellness is a fi registered 501c3 and um these camps are funded by donations to Pegasus Bridge. So I'm not a great fundraiser. It's not my forte. And, uh, but thank you for allowing the space actually to give me that plug. I really appreciate it. So we'll, so the we'll Pegasus Bridge to Wellness, is that like a website or? It's a tiny website. It's like one page website at this point, um, but it is a 501c3 organization. Uh, okay. And um, it is an umbrella uh, it actually serves um, equine gestalt coaches who have clients that um, can't afford their services. We we try we. It's a bridge between the horses who have so much to offer and folks who need help and don't have the money to pay for it. So it's Pegasus okay. Bridge. So if anybody wanted to make a donation to it, they could just get a hold of you. Yes, and tell you that they'd like to use it. Okay. 
there's a donate button on the yeah. on the website. So yeah. So speaking of donating, one of the things that I'd like to bring forward here is I know that you know Lauren has passed on, yes. and that one of the things that you do with all of the tuition that the people pay for Kids Camp is that you put a part of it aside for the foundation, right? Yes. Do, do you want to say a couple words about that? Uh, Lauren's legacy is um, well. This is branching off into another into another area. It's Lauren's legacy is um, another program we offer. Um, it is called a hero's journey. It was Lauren's Lauren um, offered these workshops for 30 years um, to kids and adults alike. And it's a self-esteem workshop. It's not a camp. It can be done at work or <laughs> after school or whatever. And Lauren's legacy is specifically to um, like we have one um, one of the our instructors um, is in Minnesota and she works with reservation kids and and has worked for the reservation for herself and um, those kids you know their parents can't afford to send them to a self-esteem workshop and um, yet it has so much to offer them so Lauren's legacy can help offset her cost and bring these to the kids. Yeah, sorry, I mixed mix that up. I didn't remember that it was Laura's legacy that you were taking the, um, keeping it going. So, so yeah, so there's a the Pegasus Bridge and Lauren's legacy are umbrellas uh, uh, to um, to bring these programs to the the folks who could really benefit and have don't have the funds to participate in this kind of work. So let's we we need to get to them. Yeah. So do you have any parting wisdom that you'd like to share with people as we complete for today? Oh my gosh. The first thing that came to my mind is um, I thought I would be retired by now and uh, living a soft life. And uh, I uh, never realized that being a woman of a certain age was going to be so much fun that I still would have so much to offer and I'm blessed with, to this day, you know, fairly good health. And, um, and I just would say, <laughs> I want to say, stop thinking so much and go into your heart and feel what you're supposed to do next. The intuition is there. Your body knows, you know, we know what we are supposed to do. And our brain gets in the way by trying to keep us safe. And I listen, I bet I listen to my heart and my, my gut intuition. Um, I try to listen at least as much as my brain, but I really try to listen and feel more from my heart. And that's, and that's why I think uh, the happy hearts, I think that's where that came from, that intuition. And it's also like a little meditation, a little short meditation for the kids to bring their energy down. And then one of the parents told me that their daughters, uh, both of their daughters have been at camp and they made happy hearts and decorated their Christmas tree. Oh my gosh, really? Yay. <laughs> Linda, thank you so much for your time. I've really enjoyed our conversation and um, look forward to hearing more stories about the kids camp and the kids care corral. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Bibi, for this opportunity to to reach out to more folks. Great, it. and thank you.